Welcome to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time, where we aim to break down barriers, demystify blindness, and promote real and lasting change. Join host David Steinmetz as he connects us with professionals who are making a positive impact in the community. These leaders help empower individuals who are blind or have other disabilities to live a full and inclusive life. Let's lean in as David kicks off today's conversation. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time. First and foremost, I'd like to thank Arizona Industries for the Blind for sponsoring this show. Arizona Industries for the Blind empowers people who are blind or visually impaired to achieve their version of the American dream through meaningful employment. You know, my show really focuses on how do we change the perception of blindness, what, what people think of typically when they think of someone who is blind, and connecting with thought leaders and professionals across the U.S. and across the world, really, is helping to uh, really change the perception. And, you know, um, a disability can happen to anyone at any time. And a, and a matter of fact, that you or a family member or close friend uh, in your lifetime may end up with a disability, whether it's genetics or traumatic injury, you know, life happens and it's important to remember that who you were before the disability, it doesn't change that fact. You can be the same person. Uh, you just have to do things a little differently. It may look a little different, and but you can still achieve those same goals because you have those skills, the knowledge, your experiences, your life, life experience, et cetera, that has got to you to where you are and that you can continue that as you move through the grieving process. So really this, this show is how do we demystify, how do we focus on a disability blindness in particular is not as a barrier to achieving employment or achieving whatever it is that you want in life, but as an asset. And how do we how do we take that and maximize it to your to your own benefit? My guests today, I'm really excited, are two people that are really helping to move the needle to uh, get people who are blind, vision impaired, back into the workforce to achieve their their version of the American dream, to really be successful to whatever success that looks like to them. And so I'd like to uh, introduce uh, my first guest is Jeff Mittman. He is the president CEO of Bosma out of Indiana, as well as uh, he is the president of the National Association of Employment for People Who Are Blind. Jeff is also, I'd like to also thank him for his years of service in the Army. My other guest is Chris LaFollette. He is the president and CEO of Arizona Industries for the Blind. He has been in the nonprofit world and supporting people with disabilities for more than 25 years. So welcome, Jeff. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, David. Well, thank you, David. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, if you don't mind, I'd like to, you know, maybe give a little bit of back, your background and how you came to Bosma. Sure. Well, I spent, I started my career off. I spent 22 years in the Army. Uh, I was an infantryman, did four combat tours. And then on my fourth tour, I was, uh, you talk about losing your vision through a traumatic event. I was hit by a roadside bomb. I uh, woke up a month later in Walter Reed in Washington, D.C., the old Walter Reed. I spent about four and a half years in recovery and in my last quarter of my career, actually in recovery, trying to uh, going through several operations and uh, uh, trying to recover physically. 
And then I retired uh, on a Sunday night. The next morning, I went to work for National Industries for the Blind out of Alexandria, Virginia, kind of a parent organization. I worked there for a few years, and I went off into the uh, Department of Defense as a civilian for about six years. And while I was there, I actually served on the board of Bosma uh, Enterprises. Then I came on uh, after about six years on the board, I came on and uh, eventually took over as a CEO there. And it really allows me, I've always said I'm the luckiest man in the world. And, and this job allows me to provide other people, assist other people with opportunities that, that I was given. So I'm really glad to be here. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. And, and very impactful. And I'll, if you don't mind me asking, your injury um, while you're active duty, how did that impact your career trajectory, right? I'm assuming you weren't planning to go into nonprofit world, whether it's National Industries for the Blind or, or at Bosma. Did that? No, it, uh, it impacted because what it did is it put me in contact. One of the things I had to figure out when I, when I woke up and, and realized I lost most of my vision and the other injuries I had, and I had to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life because, you know, I still had a wife and two children. And I started looking around and I ran into, you know, the Blind and Veterans Association out of Washington, D.C. And I went to a national conference with them and I looked all around and there were blinded veterans throughout that conference, throughout that organization who had these long, successful careers after they lost their vision and kind of taking my notes from them. And then I, at that conference, I actually ran into NIB and met people from NIB, the uh, CEO there. And, Ended up uh, staying in contact and going to work for NIV. So that's kind of where it took me is because I looked for other people who had gone through that situation to, to learn from them. And when I found them, I also found NIV and, and went in that direction. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Chris, kind of the same question, if you wouldn't mind kind of introducing yourself and your background. Been in the industry for just a couple minutes or so. What brought you to this industry? Hey, David, thank you. Uh, before I get started, I, what people don't know is, is about Jeff, and Jeff uh, will not tell you. Uh, he is a hero to me and, and others. Uh, his sacrifice and the fact that he volunteered to do what he did, Jeff doesn't get enough credit for that. He won't take it, but I, I will echo it and also lead the charge for it. Jeff is a real hero uh, and shows what sacrifice means uh, for our country, so thank you, Jeff. I'm Chris LaFollette. Uh, again, I have the honor of being uh, the president CEO of Arizona Industries for the Blind. Been here four and a half years. Uh, I started my career out and I, out of high school. I was uh, I was drafted by the Orioles and I thought I'd be a pro athlete. My knees had different uh, thoughts. Mm -hmm. So uh, after injuries, I started attending college and started working with a company that created nutrition for people actually in the military. And that's how I got involved actually working with DOD in the military. But along the way, I got uh, I got found out by a, a headhunter, and the headhunter actually I played baseball with knew I had a daughter with disabilities. He did everything he could to uh, to get me to go to this interview, and uh, reluctantly I said yes, I'll do it. And uh, it's the best decision I ever made. Uh, to just point, it's been the best career that anyone could ask for. I started working out at that time. It was with a niche agency called Eastern Carolina Vocational Center. Uh, it created opportunities and uh, overall opportunities for people who were disabled. And after about 10 years, I decided to start my own company and uh, working with uh, some of the retail operations that uh, a lot of our agencies hold and operate and sold into their representing large companies like Energizer, Batteries, and SP Richards. 
And I did that for about 10 years and uh, had the opportunity to get back into the industry. Uh, and when I did, from a standpoint of leadership, uh, it was a great opportunity replacing uh, Dick Monaco, who had been the CEO for years. To just point again, just the greatest job in the world, uh, knowing that we have the ability, the voice, the opportunity to change the direction of people's lives, create independence, employment, change direction, uh, not just for that person, but also their family members has, has been just a huge blessing for me and an opportunity to continue to grow and sustain and, and create a future for people. Thank you, Chris. You touch on a couple of things that are really important, right? Is is employment is more than just that paycheck for a lot of for for a lot of people, whether you have a disability or not. The importance, the meaning behind that often comes self esteem, confidence, as well as kind of a social status. You grow your your professional and and personal networks. So it's more than just a paycheck and. Unfortunately, among the the disability community, we find that you know seventy percent of people who are blind or vision impaired are unemployed. They're um, just not in the workforce. I'd like to ask you know uh, Jeff and and Chris, both of you, what do you think is the biggest barrier to getting people back to work uh, for people who are blind? Where, where do we find the stumbling block? Would you, would you say, Jeff? You want to take that first? Sure. Yeah. No. Absolutely. The uh, the biggest obstacle to the employment of people who are blind or visually impaired are really other people's perceptions of their abilities. So, uh, you know, sometimes convincing an employer that somebody who's blind can do something is, is really difficult. And, and breaking down that barrier and breaking down those perceptions is, is one of the things we're working on at Bosman Enterprises and my employment services team and going out and, and teaching uh, actually communicating with the community, bring the community in to see what we do and watch our employees work, uh, you know, up in a rack somewhere, pulling orders down, you know, four, four stories up in a building somewhere, mm-hmm. letting them see what somebody who's blind or visually impaired can do with the right accommodation, the right technology is, is really important. But then I think the second thing, and I think you kind of mentioned it a little bit, is when somebody loses their vision, especially later on in life, a lot of times they lack the confidence or the knowledge of what they're actually capable of. And being able to provide that for somebody really breaks down their self-imposed barriers to get out and then engage the community. And then you have to engage the, the employer to get them to understand that somebody who is blind or visually impaired can actually perform just like everybody else to the same standard. So, Jeff, you, you stole my thunder, so thanks a lot. Appreciate that, buddy. Uh, and, uh, right beside you. But, look, this is a message we've been, we've been singing and, and, and shouting for a very long time. But, again, perception is everything. Uh, when you have somebody come in an office uh, with a cane, are they looked at differently than somebody with vision? I would like to say no, but the reality of it is yes, uh, especially if you go in and uh, for an interview and you didn't mention to that employer that you were blind. I don't think this person would be upset if I mentioned her name, Kirk Adams, uh, who's been in our field for a long time, told me about a story that he, he went to an interview. And the fact that he got three or four steps and people were trying to assist him around the office and, and hold his hand, he immediately felt like he was not engaged. He did not feel like he was an equal. And he felt like he was, uh, there was no chance for this opportunity. They didn't look at his intellect. They look at his disability, which is unfortunate. And uh, because of things that we're doing today at a national level and some of the things that, that Jeff's spearheading with NAEPB and, and other groups, uh, we're tackling that. And it's very difficult uh, because we may be taking on uh, a perception that's generational. 
And uh, that's not an easy feat. And I think you would agree with that, Jeff. Yes, absolutely. It is. It's generational. It's something, uh, quite frankly, in the field, we haven't done enough of is breaking down those those barriers. So that's really, I believe, probably the two biggest obstacles to employment, along with transportation. Yeah. Sure. It's so true in terms of those perceptions, right? And, and demystifying that is our perception comes from our social norms. It comes from our family uh, practices, uh, our past experiences. And so not having interaction or knowing somebody who was blind and not just say, hey, there's a guy on a bus that I see every day, you know, going to work. That's part of the perception that that you can change somebody's mind, but it's the the conversation that you have on a day-to-day basis. And that's why I feel this show is so important in connecting with people is to share that word that you know, people with disabilities, people who are blind can be successful with the right training and right technology. So I think it's important that we get that out and we really work on focusing that outreach. And Jeff, to your point is, you know, when we bring people into Arizona Industries for the Blind, uh, first words out of their mouth usually is, wow, I had no idea. It's a great exactly. opportunity to, to change and, and get people to really understand. And, and I can go out and talk all I want. And people ask, what's, what's the aha moment? That's when they're standing in my, my facility, our distribution center, and going, wow, okay, I get it now. It's really, I think, I agree in, in transportation, access to, to digital uh, information or, or physical paper uh, and being able to do that. It, it's putting forethought for an employer, an organization that I want to create an inclusive environment. Then we have to think about all these things together. David, uh, to that, I think you're absolutely right. And go back to it. And this is something that is unfortunate, but this is societal, is people don't don't know what they don't know. And so continuously talking about it, like what you're doing here, uh, and Jeff's now involved at, you know, on national level uh, with media, bringing more and more attention to it, I think is a good thing, David. I do. And uh, is bringing knowledge to that person or persons or even companies. But at the same time, we have to be careful because uh, if we're too loud, then we become too combative. So, you know, what do we do? Do we kick the door down or do we push ourselves through? What do we do? I think uh, as we navigate those waters, that's having to be done daily. So we get the right perception that we're asking for, where we're just asked to look at our abilities rather than disabilities. That's all we're trying to do. Yeah, very true. You know, there's certainly perception could be positive or negative. It's how you you package it. It's how you, you know, walk the walk and, and talk to talk. Because the most important thing is that through the Ability One program and agencies like Jeff and, and yours, Chris, about really valuing the people for their abilities, not their disability, and, and putting them in positions and giving them the opportunity. Just like in any organization, right? It, it comes down to the willingness of the person to take the initiative and, and drive to move themselves and the organization forward. You can't, you can't force people to do something that they just don't want to do. That's absolutely right. You know, it's, you can provide the opportunity, but you have to take advantage of it. You have to prepare yourself to take advantage of it. Yeah. And Jeff or, or Chris, I'm talking about taking, you know, having the 
opportunities. There's a lot of initiatives of diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI in the business world now in the private sector. Do you think that those organizations or the private sector is doing enough to include disability as part of that diversity, equity, inclusion factor? And how can we change that if not? I think we're seeing momentum. I, I think we are with the attention we're seeing. And again, in society and some of the changes we're seeing, we're seeing people more apt to change. We did say something earlier talking about generational. As we open up uh, the opportunity uh, for people to come in the workplace, be it blind, be it uh, visually impaired and or disabled, not everybody looks alike. Not everybody has the same capabilities. I think organizations now, private sector, are trying to find talent uh, so they are going beyond uh, where the barriers before stopped them. Uh, so I would say that we're building momentum. There's still a lot of work needed, but at the same time, uh, we're nowhere near where we need to be. You're absolutely right, Chris. And it, and it goes back a little bit to whatever initiatives corporations have. They really hadn't pushed the needle yet. And, and I think there's several reasons for that. One is, I think, Chris, you said earlier, people don't know what they don't know. So they may be very, very well-intentioned, but just don't know where to go. And then another thing is kind of the social norm we have of, of being afraid to ask questions. You know, when I'm in an airport and I travel all across the country and I'm going around, you know, honestly, I, I've been at it for years and years and years, and people are actually afraid to ask me questions. I do public speaking and people are afraid to ask me questions because we're taught not to be rude, right? So some, somebody didn't want to ask you about your blindness. And that really is a limiting factor in that, that it leads to isolation for people with disabilities. And how we react to those questions when we do get them makes a big difference mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. That's huge. How we react can have a lasting effect on those individuals. So I think the, the, the part we need to play in that is engaging the corporations, engaging the community, and giving them the easy end to, to answer the questions they have. So. Jeff, I think you're onto something more and more. Uh, there's a reason why you're in leadership, and this goes to to it. So, Jeff, first and foremost, you know, if a corporation is, uh, you know, they have some legal uh, challenges there, they can't ask certain questions, but uh, the willingness to talk about uh, your disability uh, helps a lot. Jeff's not only a colleague, he's a friend, he's a good friend and somebody that I, I look to for advisement. But at the same time, early on in our relationship, I wasn't afraid to ask, you know, Jeff, how, how, how did it happen? How'd your accident happen? What exactly happened there, man? And uh, there are times that I, that we travel together and he says, hey, just get walk in front of me. So I know there's limitations that he may have, but what people don't know is I have an issue hearing and there's things I can't hear. So uh, at the same time, he his vision is not what it needs to be in my hearing. So we travel well together. And David, I think we've traveled a few times. <laughs> I've had to ask for your, your help as well. But it's things you get like to an that. intersection. You get to an intersection. <laughs> Chris looks and I listen. We're good, we're good to go. So we usually make the wrong decision, though, Jeff. We end up going right every time. So there you go. <laughs> so, but no, it's 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 things like that. But uh, look, Jeff, you, I think what we're trying to do uh, in, in in using NAEPB as an example is we continue to try to push a narrative of of the capabilities, not disabilities, but at the same time, not afraid to knock harder. I'm not saying that we're kicking the doors down on, on uh, private sector and corporations, but let them know that we need their buy-in 
And uh, are the things that we're asking for with our Congress uh, and our, our government? Yes, there's things that they can do in there. We just walked a hill. David, you were part of that for AIB. And I know that was uh, some of the ask that you had there in Bosma when you walked as well, Jeff. But it, we, we need buy-in from our government as well to, to help. I don't want to say force because those are ugly words, but to incentivize corporations to look differently at that talent force. I think that would help as well. And I think that's some of the message that we're able to take. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I, I agree um, and with you know what you and, and Jeff are talking about. And you know from the beginning is how do we have these conversations? As a person who is blind, I want to be seen for first and foremost as, as an individual, as a person that is contributing to the organization. And based on the experiences I had, you know, personally and professionally that, that I bring to the workforce, as well as the experience of someone who is, you know, what they would say, a marginalized group. And how do we share that experience to empower and the organization to move forward? Right? There's all kinds of research that says, you know, the, the profit margins and, you know, the profit for the organization goes up, the culture in that organization improves through that diversity and bringing in all these extra experiences. But you also have to go be as the individual. I think it's important to be able to share that versus being on the defensive aspect of it. No, you have to be, you have to be your own advocate. We're, we're talking about engaging corporations, but it goes down to the individual too. So when you go into the job interview, to Chris's point, there's there's going to be a reluctance and sometimes legal reasons why they don't ask mm-hmm. you about your disability. Sure. And there's absolutely no no reason not to address it yourself and say, hey, you know, you may notice I have a guide dog or I have a I have a white cane. Let me tell you about that and tell you about my capabilities and how it doesn't limit what I can do for you. Mm-hmm. So there's you know, you've got the broader strategic kind of corporate approach, and then you have the individual approach, and they both both are necessary, I think. Jeff, do you think we could do better as individuals for individuals who are blind? Do you think they could do better currently for uh, for themselves advocating for themselves? <laughs> yeah, no, I think we need to teach people with, uh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. You know, if I'm in a job interview, you know, as I said, hey, let me tell you, I, I can use a computer as well as anybody. So if you're talking about your, your reporter or email or whatever you need, I can run the system. As long as I have the proper uh, software and it's accessible, You'll never see the difference in the work product, period. And I expect to be held to the same standard. That's a great and, example. Uh, I think that I think that's a great message for people to, to take as they move forward. It's a great point, Jeff. When I talk to other individuals who are blind through my outreach activities, when we're talking about employment, it's important to be able to demonstrate, not only to talk about it, right? you walk into an interview and you have you know, a note taker or your laptop or whatever device that you feel comfortable and, and uh, using and you sit down and you're taking notes, uh, you're actively participating in the interview and you, know, you have your questions prepared in advance and you're, you're reading that off. I think that really puts at, at ease a lot of times that employer. Yeah, you're, you're demonstrating the skills necessary to, to function. Yeah, right. absolutely. Right. And I think that's part of the advocacy, whether you, you realize it or not, you're changing that person's perception. Because, you know, they're sitting there thinking, how is this person going to do the job? How are they going to access 
you're actually demonstrating that, you know, it's funny during the uh, pandemic, my employment services team, the placement numbers actually went up during the pandemic. Hmm. And a lot of it was because a lot of the interviews were being done remotely through zoom and, and, and everything else. So what took place was during the actual interview, our clients were demonstrating the skills necessary to use <laughs> the, the tools they needed to actually do the job. So the interview actually allowed them to demonstrate that they could do a lot of the things necessary for the, for the work. Jeff, that's, so I, I just want and to me, this is important. Uh, so when, when somebody answers the phone, let's just say go past Zoom and, uh, and they're on the phone. Can we tell they're blind? We have no idea. So uh-huh. is there a perception? No, there's not. Have we alienated that person? No, we have not. It's not until we put our eyes. And I, I mentioned this to David. One of the problems is the challenges we have as society is we we preconceived what that person's capable of just because they may have a cane and or a wheelchair, whatever it may be. And that's that's unfair. We've done ourselves a disservice. Uh, I get in trouble a lot this way. And this is where I, I go in a different direction. And I realize people argue with this. I don't see certain things. Of course, I see them. I understand them. I just don't. I don't pay attention to them, and I think that works for a lot of people. And how do you preach that? How do you push that narrative? It's difficult. It is, but I think experiences like you're talking about, Jeff, and of course, David, uh, the experiences lead. One equals two. One plus one equals two. Two plus two equals four. We build on that momentum. So I think each time, each win. Uh, builds that confidence for that person and the next person in front of that employer. Yeah, ab- mm-hmm. absolutely. Is is having you know that that interaction uh, we talked about at the beginning of the conversation is when you have one interaction, you've cha- just changed someone else's perception. You might not convince them, but you can give somebody a positive experience that the next time they come across you know or interact with someone who's blind, they may be, they're, they're more educated. And well, that and that spreads. Now, doesn't mean that you should run up to every blind person <laughs> that you see and say, hey, guess what? I just talked to this guy. You know him and, you know, so forth. Do so, you know him? Yeah, do you know him? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it makes that approach, I think, easier to have a conversation. And, and really, that's what what I hope uh, and and try and do on a daily basis, and what what these organizations are doing uh, across the U.S. to empower people who are who are blind, want to have the confidence to go out and do and live their life the way they want to live their lives. You know that financial independence, uh, being included in the community, and growing personally and professionally. A lot of times we're talking about you. Know, we we're just talking about DEI and how does an enterprise nonprofit like AIB or Bosma differ from the private sector in terms of recruiting, training, and sustaining employment for people who are blind. Uh, Chris, you want to take that? Yeah, I, Jeff, you got to make sure I don't get in trouble here. So, I one of the things we're no different uh, in some aspects, in some areas, we are. So, one of them, we're enterprise nonprofit, which means we're here to create uh, and operate as a as a business, just like everybody else. But what we, I like to think, we look at the value, and I heard value mentioned earlier, we look at the value of the person, the applicant. And uh, so we're looking beyond anything that may be uh, a hindrance, a issue for that person, or a uh, possibility for uh, someone not to be able to perform because they happen to be blind. 
that's problematic. So I would say how we differ. Uh, I like to think that we look beyond uh, someone's uh, visual limitations, and we tend to look at their talents more so. So that may mean we get a better and more productive person, a more talented person. Uh, at the same time, I think that person is probably more engaged for the opportunity. We're seeing a lot of times, and I'm Jeff, I'm sure you're seeing that, we see a lot of first-time job applicants or their first jobs. We've got an energized person uh, that comes into our uh, in our facility, so we're excited about that. But once they come, we don't have a high turnover, and I think that separates us uh, from our uh, private sector, our our uh, companies out there that are in the community, uh, for-profit companies. So there's there several ways that we are similar, but there's also uh, several ways where our differences are very visible. Jeff? Absolutely. I think we, we recruit, you know, like everybody else recruits, we may focus in on, uh, you know, the, the streams of talent, uh, blind schools or college programs and, and things like that, that other people probably don't on a, on a daily basis. To Chris's point, when, when somebody comes in, a visual impairment's not a barrier. That's the whole reason we exist, right? So we have the systems and the knowledge set up in place that I think most for-profit organizations do not. And we also have the, uh, the ability and the desire to customize jobs and, and uh, uh, accommodate uh, as necessary to the individual. It's not a matter of, you know, is this legal or is this not? There's really not a question to it. It's just you do it because that's why we exist. So, Jeff, so, to, to your point, can I, I interrupt? Ask, I apologize. Can I ask yeah. you a question? You think sure. that word accommodate scares private sector? Oh, absolutely. Accommodations scare uh, a lot of, of employers. You know, there's a recent study, and I can't think of the name of it right off the top of my head, but more about 60% of accommodations cost absolutely nothing. Those that do average about three hundred dollars, so it's not, it's not, uh, it's not expensive, and I think that's one of the barriers too. We probably didn't bring up earlier is people are scared of the cost of it and don't know where to go to get the information and don't know how to answer that question. So, uh, like a lot of people, they just avoid it altogether, which has the effect of not hiring somebody who's blind. So that's uh, that's that's a big deal. But I think um, how we differ a little bit is probably that support system within. There's a community there. I think for people who are blind or visually impaired, there's not the sense of isolation you may feel in other other areas. So I think those are probably the main differences. Jeff, you think we get a uh, matter of fact? I, I know this answer, but I'm interested in yours. Uh, sure. we, our tenure of our employees tend to be longer than the average in private sector. Uh, yeah. Why is that, Jeff? Is it the is it the fear of of the unknown? Is it the fear of, or how about comfortable? What's wrong with being comfortable these days? I like my job. Why do I need to move? What? Yeah. Tell me your thoughts on that. Well, my thoughts are first and foremost. Uh, I just had an employee that retired after fifty years. Uh, she was I was two years old when she started at Boston. <laughs> <laughs> she just retired. But she stayed there 50 years, one, first and foremost, because she loved the company. She loved the organization. Uh, second of all, there is that sense of community, right? There are other people who have shared experiences around her. A third part is probably a little bit of fear of not knowing what's on, uh, uh, what's, what it would be like to work where they, she didn't have that community or didn't have that 
that uh, support system. So I think it's probably a combination of all three, but I think, I don't think AMV works at a place for half a century that doesn't like the organization. So I think it's probably first uh, of all three. David, I apologize on that. I kind of teed that up. I'm sorry, but I, look, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying I love my job. And you don't hear a lot of that uh, in the private sector. I know very few people that say that. They can say, I worked here 30 or 40 years, but I don't hear a lot of people saying they love their job. I would say our teammates, uh, the people we work arm in arm with every day, they love their job. They enjoy the mission. They, they like what we stand for. I think that's a big separator between what we do and, and private sector as well, because I don't think it gets enough attention. I really don't. So I, I would like to bring that up. And again, I teed that up on purpose. Sorry about that. We talked about one of the things we were advocating for last week, right, is about informed choice and saying right. um, no other, I can't think of any other place where as an as a job seeker that you you have to be put in basically a certain position or work in a certain industry or, or whatever that may be and not allowing you to just know everything that is out there that's available to you as, as a job seeker. Um, so how crucial it is to have that informed choice that, that says, I want to be customer service. I want to go into manufacturing. I want to do the things that I want to do. Where can I go to do that and be, be informed of well, all these organizations here in the city uh, provide all those things to you? And so um, I think as, as people who are blind um, and looking at um, an enterprise nonprofit organization as a career path that leads, you know, uh, to upward mobility, you know, using my experience um, coming into the organization as a customer service representative doing, you know, order entry and, and other uh, tasks in the, in the distribution center utilizing my past experience and, and knowledge and my ded, you know, dedication to wanting to do more uh, and provide more uh, input, the opportunities became available. I applied for them. And so, you know, where I thought I was going in the direction I was going, ended up in a, in, you know, like a 180 degree turn from what I thought I would, you know, was going to do. I graduated college with a business degree and, and economics and uh, looking at doing procurement and where I ended up is is nowhere near that. And, and it probably happens a lot of time to people with or without a disability is, you know, I want to be an educator, going to teaching for a couple of years and you find your passion somewhere else that it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. Having the opportunities to come into an organization uh, like Bosma or AIB and have people that you see are being successful helps you motivate as well. Now you bring up two two big points there. One is you're right, there is no other population I could think of where the government tells you no, you can't work there. Uh, it, I always say that when I lost my vision, I didn't lose any of my rights as a full grown American citizen, so I can do whatever is morally and ethically I decide to do. Uh, it's one thing. Then two is it is a career path. It's not just a job. There is upper mobility. So within Bosma Enterprises, for example, I have 17 blind or visually impaired people in, in management or professional roles. 
So it's not just uh, entry level. It's not just uh, uh, manufacturing. It's not just warehousing. It's it's. I have people in sales. I had people had people in accounting. Got people on my program side. I got people in three of my senior leaders are blind. So it is an upper mobility career path for for people as well. Jeff, to that yourself, uh, who's the president of Bosma, the young lady that was going to be with us today had to, unfortunately, uh, Cindy Watson, who's the president of San Antonio, uh, happens to be uh, blind, visually impaired. Those goes to show you with the drive, people who are blind uh, can achieve anything. Um, and there's two examples there of, of what it's like to be blind or visually impaired and driven. So that's a good example, I think, David, of, of just two. But uh, Jeff, today, over our agencies at NIB, how many agencies currently have blind CEOs? I believe, I believe uh, 16. 16. And I believe 16. That number yeah. is increasing every year. Is that correct? Every year. It's gone up a couple this year. Good. Yeah. So hopefully uh, that is a trend that will continue to grow. And that's exciting to report, David. Mm-hmm. So I love hearing that. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. I'm going to flip to the other side of that conversation, though. Um, Jeff and Chris, I'm sure you there's some naysayers out there that, that say that um, an organization that is focused on employing people who are blind and building processes and having, you know, the intention of hiring uh, that population limits that person's ability, whether it's financial or career choices and so forth. What would you say to, to those? And I know you just gave, you know, 16 CEOs, leaders of multi-million dollar organizations, but that there's a lot of people out there that say that an enterprise nonprofit organization isn't a competitive workplace or is is limiting people's capacity. What would you say to, to those people? And Chris, Jeff, are you the one you want to? Jeff, you, you go first so that way I don't get in trouble. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, first of all, I disagree. Second of all, you need to come see. Uh, the idea that, that our agencies limit people, we have people that move in and out of the organization all the time. I've had uh, people leave for employment in the for-profit sector. I've had people come from the for-profit sector in. So there's no barriers to coming in and out of the organization. So the idea that it limits somebody is really absurd to me because there's a, there is the upper mobility across the organization if you are qualified if you are qualified you being blind is not a barrier to you moving up so i i i fail to see how it possibly limits the capacity or the advancement of an individual to to stay and move up or go elsewhere and move up god bless them because that's another ambassador for me out in the community so i i just don't agree whatsoever so you need to come visit so I agree with Jeff uh, 100%. And however, I'm going to take another another angle. You know, David, where do we think that manufacturing jobs were bad? Where do we think distribution jobs were bad? These things helped build America who we are today as the number one country in the world. And for some reason, within the last 10 to 15 years, people are looking down their nose at manufacturing jobs. Now, is that a way to take care of your family? 100%. I know we pay a living wage, not minimum wage, uh, a living wage. 
that's very attractive. But look, at, at the end of the day, it's informed choice. It's a person's choice. And uh, if they want to go into manufacturing uh, or if they want to look at a call center, if they want to look at being an attorney, they have that opportunity. And I think it's about an individual's choice. The opportunities uh, sometimes are limited by the organization's size and the opportunities that they have within that organization's. But uh, across the country, we have organizations that do everything from tech to manufacturing to distribution to contract closeout. Jeff, I know I'm lo losing a lot there. Uh, retail, there's just so many opportunities out there. So uh, to, to Jeff's point, I think people understanding, gaining more knowledge about our program and understanding the offerings is better. So to Jeff's point, come and see. And I look at it from, from a perspective as well that says, you know, um, as an individual, uh, we all have, we're talking about our own choices and, and understanding our capabilities and, you know, whether you have the desire to improve uh, through education or on-the-job training, what, whatever means, and you reach your, your fullest potential, right? Not every person is going to be a CEO. Not every person is going to be, you know, the person sweeping the floors, it's important that you have a mix of, of those people, right? Because it's their choice to find opportunities where you can grow yourself to, to your maximum potential. And if that's a, a lead or you know, running a CNC machine, the person who's totally blind and you enjoy what you're doing and you know, all the things that uh, we, we discussed earlier is, is how can that be wrong? How can that be uh, at a point where somebody else is, is making a judgment or assessment on you shouldn't be doing that. And, and I, I struggle to find how, how that can happen nowadays. Well, I would agree with that. And, and Jeff, your service in the military, I know that you hold that near and dear, but not everybody can be a general. Not everybody can be a captain. You've got to have uh, people who are out there that are the infantry, the pilots. There's a support system. And that's not to say their jobs are any less. It's just the fact it's part of the puzzle. Again, I think they're so very important part. But as we talked about before, uh, there's nothing wrong with enjoying your job and enjoying a good day's work. And Jeff, again, I'm picking on your, your vocation years ago. But again, not everybody can be the, the, the three-star or four-star general. No, no. Some of us are lucky enough to be senior NCOs. <laughs> and actually get work done. So that's what I'm saying. So. There you go. But I think it's a good question I, and, and good observation, David, I do. And unfortunately, the people who tend to talk or have that narrative uh, don't know a lot about what we do daily and have not been inside our, our four walls. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and again, it's someone's perception of maybe what, what things were or what their idea, what the program is. And and I know that, uh, you know, my years of, of working at uh, Arizona Industries for the Blind, I've seen a lot of change. I'd like to see, you know, get your opinion in terms of changes within the Ability One program for the positive that you, that you have seen over the years. Chris, do you want to kick that off? Yeah, I do. Uh, I've seen growth. I've seen opportunity. I've seen to the point where we're seeing more blind CEOs. We're seeing training, the BMT program. I'm seeing uh, the involvement 
and a louder pl- or a, a larger platform for people who are blind and visually impaired to to use as a foundation for growth. And a lot of that's created by the Ability One program, but also see confidence. And sometimes that gets lost, regardless if it's um, manufacturing, creating a pencil or or handling a, a disgruntled call from a call center. The Ability One program has created that opportunity for growth. And as you talked about knowledge and, and something to build upon, I'm excited for what can happen. Do we have a long ways to go? Yeah, there's still a long way. Look, the, the great thing is there's work to be done and we have jobs tomorrow morning. But that being said, uh, the platform being built that is so important and vital as a, I think, springboard for the future of people who are blind or visually impaired or and or disabled is so important. And I think that it could use some tweaking, and that's what we're trying to do at a national level. But today it is being utilized and being used as a platform for growth. No, I think some of the changes to, as you, as any industry or program or organization grows, it it eventually evolves. And and that's what you're seeing now because you have 16 blind CEOs. Well, they didn't start out as CEOs. Um, There's a lot of years and decades of of education training experience that went into that. And as, as you see people rising through, you're also seeing probably a different approach uh, when it comes to issues, because now you have that, that experience of the, the, the blind individual who, or the individual who came up through that system has that experience and can convey that probably in a little different manner than, than somebody else. So you start to see, I think, uh, a little proactive self-advocation on on the part of of the program that uh, I think is a, a big change. Um, you also seen a different uh, difference in the the approach to the industries we're trying to enter. You know, tech. I have uh, blind people doing uh, doing consulting and and. and Salesforce and and we have people as Chris mentioned doing uh, contract management or you know contract closeout uh, for the government and they're they're getting stolen away all day long because they're doing such a great job they're getting hired away and we got it which is fine it's great we'll replace them mm-hmm. um, but but showing that um, trying to branch out into those knowledge based jobs and some of those other things. And still maintain the manufacturing. There's nothing wrong with those, but it, it just gives people different opportunities. And it's just a broader spectrum of uh, opportunities. Yeah. And very good point uh, there, Jeff, about growth. And, and Chris, you touched on it as well is, right, the, the organization, any organization has to change with their customer, change with the times and, and go into the direction that customers are looking for, or you're providing a solution that they didn't even know that they needed. And so the Ability One program and the nonprofit agencies, um, I see a lot of change in terms of adding capacity, adding new capabilities, lines of business to meet the needs uh, and fill those gaps for, for our customers. As you mentioned, whether it's consulting on accessibility or technology, to the, the contract closeout and, you know, helping our customer reallocate funds um, is providing a valuable service to them, as well as continue to sustain the supply chain with, with manufacturing. So I've seen a lot of change in that direction. Um, nonprofits partnering in with 
private sector to to offer new new products or services, um, and using the strengths of, and combining those two strengths to do that. And the other thing I think that changes I see that you know a lot of our customers are seeing the benefit of utilizing the Ability One program, and they're getting that dedicated workforce being deemed essential workers during the pandemic. And, you know, at our organization, people showed up every single day uh, because they knew the importance of the work that we're doing to sustain our customer. So I've seen a lot of growth there. And as Chris mentioned, you know, the training programs to help people who are blind, who have the desire and want to keep growing their their personal and professional skill sets, that those things are being offered as well. I think it's really important to to highlight that the success is, um, and whether it's hiring somebody who's never had a job before to promoting somebody into a leadership role, I think are, are really crucial. We're coming up on, towards the end of our, our show, uh, and I'll ask, you know, we just talked about the, the growth in the program. Uh, are there areas that, that either one of you see where we can move the, the uh, program forward? Jeff, I'll take that first. Yeah, David, there's always there's always growth opportunities and there's always room for change. And I think we're trying to identify that as an organization uh, at AIB and even nationally in AEPB. Uh, the challenge is, is uh, getting buy-in. One thing from uh, constituents, but it's another thing from Congress and uh, governing bodies. Easier said than done. Kudos to Jeff because he's doing a great job of navigating "Quote unquote," the uh, murky, muddy waters of all that. But uh, Jeff, you you can take it from there because I realize all the work you're doing nationally. No, I appreciate it. No, new areas to venture off into. I mean, I think all we have to do is look at uh, look at society, right? Uh, cybersecurity. Think about that AI. What can we do with artificial intelligence? There's there's absolutely. I mean. Mm-hmm. Because you're actually venturing into an area that that benefits and uh, uh, lends itself to people who are blind using, right? The technology is a great equalizer. So I think there's a lot of things there in the near future. Uh, but to Chris's point is, we know that. Now we have to convince everybody else of the of the same thing. And that, that has to be our part on a national level that, hey, this is, uh, this is, these are our capabilities and, and here's what we can do. But, you know, we have to deliver. Mm-hmm. We have to deliver. You know, you take the customer's needs, you got to meet the customer's needs. Uh, and as long as you can do that, there's no reason we couldn't do anything. So. Awesome. Thank you for, for that, uh, the two of you. Very important conversation. Jeff, for our audience listeners today, how's the best way to, to reach you? Oh, uh, you can reach out to me at NIB, or I'm sorry. Bosma.org. Let's try that one. Bosma.org. I was just thinking of NIV, but Bosma.org. You can get through me there. Perfect. Chris? Uh, C. LaFollette at azifb.com. Always check my emails, unfortunately, throughout the night. Don't sleep a lot. So there you go. Perfect. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate your time today and your, your insights and thoughts. And I think this conversation really proves that with the right training, the right technology, and the right attitude, people who are blind can compete and are successful in the workplace. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Thank you for listening to Changing the Perception of Blindness, one conversation at a time with your host, David Steinmetz. Be sure to subscribe to Changing the Perception of Blindness, one conversation at a time on your favorite podcast platform, 
and tune in live on Phoenix Business Radio X every third Friday at 9 a.m. We hope you feel inspired by today's conversation and maybe we've even sparked a new idea or opportunity. 